0: All right, well, good morning. good morning. My name is Pastor Brad, a senior pastor here at First Baptist, and it is great to have you here. If you have an outline, you can take that out, and you'll see that we're talking about renewing your hope today, looking through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. If you have your Bibles, and if you want to open that up, I'll be reading from that passage. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in... Um, uh, underneath the seat in front of you or upstairs in the pew in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at all, though, come get one from our Next Step Center. We'd love to put one into your hands. You can have that one for free. Today I'll be reading out of the NIV, and it's First um, Peter chapter 2, verses 11-25. through 25, And let me just read through that passage. It's on the screen as well. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles... To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the Emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and do commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for the evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, for we, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer, of your souls. It's a great word that Peter gives to us. And really it deals in this area of unfair treatment that is given to you for things that, you know, possibly you you don't deserve. Uh, Any of you ever been unfairly treated or in some way, somehow? Yeah. All of us would have raise our hand at some point in some time. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something that we took the blame for that we did not do. Uh, And if you are married, single, younger, or older, maybe life just kind of threw you a curveball. You swung and missed, and you just kind of turned back and looked and said, wow, I didn't see that coming. And it's hard because it's kind of hard to complain about this because the re- common response back to, back to us is what? It's life isn't what? Fair. Life isn't fair. I mean, we've had it said to us. We've said it to other people as well. And it's true. Life isn't fair. Maybe you got the car that just does not work right and they classify it as a lemon, but what can you do about it? right? Maybe you uh, have had harsh treatment from your boss at work. Maybe your spouse, husband or wife, maybe they chose to leave you. Maybe maybe you're not married yet. You're kind of wondering, all my friends are married, and I'm not. I feel kind of left behind here. Or maybe you're at the place of desiring to have children, and you're like, well, you know, others can have five, six, seven, eight children, and, and we can't get pregnant. Maybe a disease has attacked your parents or your elderly people that you care for, and you say, I'm my only child, or I'm the only one who can even care for them. It just seems kind of unfair. Maybe you've tried to get into a college, and and it's not going your way, the college of your choice. Maybe you didn't get the job promotion that you thought you should have gotten. You were next in line, and it hasn't come about. Life isn't fair. And, And so many times we have a response to that. And a lot of times it's done in our nature or in our flesh. And so on your outline, I wrote down some natural reactions to unfair treatment that we might experience in our lives. And let me give you the first one there. The first one is the passive pattern. That is, we feel sorry for ourselves. When something happens to us unfairly, we feel sorry for ourselves. And really, this could almost be called a, a passive-aggressive reaction, maybe, that we would have, because outwardly, you know, we, we're passive, but inwardly, we are just plotting away at how we can make this right. Right? right? The unfair treatment kind of reminds me of the guys in the military uh, who were stationed in France during World War II, and they hired a local French boy to do their cooking and their cleaning for them. And and these American GIs, they were practical jokers on end. I mean, they would take buckets and they would place it up above the door, and when he would walk in, the bucket of water would fall on his head. Uh, They would nail his shoes to the floor so God put his shoes on. He couldn't lift them up from the floor. they put snakes in his bed and do other things like that, and he would always take it in good nature. He, he you know, just kind of like, okay, I'll take the brunt of their jokes. I won't say anything about it. He didn't blame. He, he didn't have temper tantrums. He was very passive, and finally the guys started to feel sorry for him, and they're like, oh man, we feel kind of guilty here to this little boy who's taking this from us, and so they said, look, we know these pranks aren't funny anymore, so we are sorry we will stop them. He looks back at them. He says, you mean no more Bucket's? Above my head? He said, no, no more buckets. He said, no more nailing my shoes to the floor? He said, no, no more shoes to the floor. No more snakes in my bed? He said, no, never again. Never again. He says, okay, then no more spit in your soup. A little passive-aggressive there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we feel sorry for ourselves and so we do something about it. Or maybe it's, in fact, you know what? I saw somebody point at someone else like, that's you. Here, here's what I want you to do. You look at these um, different natural reactions. Um, just put a check mark by when I describe these, the one that's you. And if you're sitting next to someone you know, just go ahead and reach over and circle it for them. All right? This one's you. All right? All right? Um, secondly, there's the aggressive pattern. The aggressive pattern where we blame others for our issues or our problems. We, we keep track and we get back at them. It's that old saying, I don't get mad, I get what? Oh, you guys know that, don't you, huh? Huh? Maybe that's true here. I heard about the guy who got bit by a dog. And the doctor goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, I am sorry, but you have rabies. And the guy's freaking out. Rabies? And he takes out a piece of paper and a pencil, and he starts to write some things down. The doctor thinks that he's making out his will. He thinks he's going to die, so he starts to make out his will. The doctor says, you know what? Listen, you don't have to make out your will. Um, You're not going to die. There's a cure for rabies. He says, oh, I know that. I'm just making a list of the people I'm going to bite now. (laughs) There's the aggressive pattern, right? get even when something unfair happens. So, so there's the passive pattern. There's the aggressive pattern. That is, you blame others. And then the third is the holding pattern. The holding pattern. We deny our feelings. We deny them. We just gonna say, ah, no, nothing's wrong. I'm okay. Not a big deal. Doesn't bother me when we know it does. And so look at those. Which one do you do most often when life is unfair to you? Because let me say this, listen, the greatest test of your character will be how you respond to unfairness. Let me say that again. The greatest test of your character will be shown, will come out, will be revealed and how you respond to unfair treatment that is given to you. And so Peter writes this letter to show us the supernatural response that if you're a part of the family of God, you can take, that you should take the path that Jesus took. And I think that gets summarized in verse 21. In fact, would you read that with me? Let's do it off the screen because it's all the same version there. Read it with me. Go. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, Leaving you an example, you should follow in his steps. Yeah, re- remember the context that's going on here. First Peter is written by a man named Peter to first century Christians who are being treated very unfairly. They are um, uh, being persecuted for their faith. Nero, the emperor, is, is trying to obliterate the Christians. He, he lit Rome on fire, blamed it on the Christians. This is the stories that we see in history of Christians being fed to the lions. It, it's this era, and it's at this time, and it's with this emperor. And these Christians were, weren't very happy about the unfairness that was coming their way, just like we are not very ha- happy with some unfairness that comes our way. And we have to deal with it. And so Peter says, you know what? You are going to have to deal with it. And let me help you know how you can do that. And that letter that that was written back to the first century is written to us, to train us and instruct us and give us that same type of encouragement. And so if you're ready, flip your outline over. Let's talk about what Peter says that should be the same for us here today, and that's this. As a part of God's family, he writes, Shine as examples. Shine as examples. For the people around you. Verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Now, look at that phrase, may see your good deeds. See, here's what's sad, and I'm as much to blame about this as all of us, I think, here. Too many times as Christians, we become known more for what we're against than what we're for. We become more because we have to be outspoken against the culture for the differences that are taking place with God's word and what the culture is. And so we become labeled in that way of more what we're against, what we're against, what we're against, what we hate, what we hate, instead of what we're for and maybe what we love and encourage. Because what happens then is that gets carried over to the church. And the church becomes more about what we're against than what we're known for. The church becomes known more for the negativity. Now, you know what I would hope Stockton would know about us as a church that we are a church that is accepting of all people let god then deal with them as they come in and hear his word and have their lives broken open as all of our lives should be by god's word I would hope that we are a church that would say we uh, uh, are, are here to help people who have been hurt by organized religion, as organized religion can often do that. That we are a church that will help people search for a faith. I pray that there are some of you here today who are searching out your faith, that you're not sure about which way to go. And maybe you just came from somebody said, Well, I go to First Baptist, and you know life has been tough and difficult. And today you're saying, Well, let me give it a start. I pray you'll feel at home. I pray that the things I talk about today, you'll understand a little bit more about this God who loves you and cares for you and that you'll fit in around here because you need to also know that I would hope that we're a place that it's known around the community that we care for the homeless, that we care for all people that we take mission trips even as we have a group in Honduras here today to go out and reach people, that we would be a church for singles, for marrieds, for young, for old, that we'd be a church that goes to the prisons, that visits those people who are in prison, that we would be a church that would go to convalescent homes and visit the elderly, that we would be people of saying we want to help others, but we will not be known for that by just sitting in here and talking about it. We're known for that if we go out and do it. We're known as a Christian by our deeds, so let's not talk about maybe as much what we're against or even what we're for. Let's show it. Let's model that. See, too many people say, ah, church, I don't need to go to church. Church is boring. What good does it do for me? They're just a bunch of sinners acting like they're not. You know what that is? That's a mislabel. That's a mislabel. Well, yes, we are sinners, but I hope we're not just acting like we're not, because we get labeled in that way. And look what Peter says to do when you do get mislabeled. He says in verse 15, he says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the, what's the word there, the what? Ignorant Ignorant talk of foolish people. Ignorant talk is silenced by people. When they find out, yes, as a church, as a church, you go on multiple mission trips throughout the year. 150, 200, sometimes 250 people from the church give up their own money, give up their own vacation time, give up their own blood, sweat, and tears to go out and make a difference in the world. Ignorant talk is silence when they find out. We have a group of people who say, we'll help you through your separation and divorce, as we have a class doing that right now on Thursday nights. Ignorant talk is silence. When people find out that we have a recovery group that says, let's celebrate what God's doing. First Baptist celebrates recovery, and we'll help. We'll help walk you through the the help and the steps that you need to go through. That we're a church that feeds the homeless. Saturday morning is a prime time of doing that at the breakfast club. Every week that group goes out to make a difference. And other times throughout the year as well, that, that foolish talk is silence when they realize there's a team of lay counselors being prepared to walk through situations with people, to listen to what they're going through, to pray for them, and, and, and to help give guidance as to where they could go or draw that guidance out from them in their own lives. That foolish talk is silence when people find out that as a church, when I talk about love boxes that come on Thanksgiving time, people run out of here to be able to pick those boxes up and run to the stores and then bring them back full of food to give out to others. Doing the same thing with the carrying Christmas tree and the ornaments, that every year those ornaments go because you all want to do the good deeds. Foolish talk is silence when we talk about how even with the, uh, his little feet coming about a month ago and, and the sponsorship, the child sponsorships that got taken, and then the ones that many of you do year after year after year after year after year. I took My wife and I took ours probably a decade ago, and we just continue to do that year after year. That's when foolish talk gets silence, when they find out that there's over $15,000 you guys give to the Fund for the Needy to help the needy as they come upon hard times. A quarter of a million dollars given to missions so we can make a difference. That shines as an example in a world that is unfair and says unth- unfair things about the church as well. Let those good deeds, Peter says, says shine in that darkness to elevate not yourself, not the church even, but to glorify God. You know, Mother Teresa um, held many, let's call them politically incorrect views. She was against abortion. She spoke out very strongly against it. She, and yet nobody slammed her for it because what could they say about her? I mean, she was one of these people who did the good deeds that silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And um, one time there was a story that came out that there was an atheist who visited her in Calcutta who just watched her for a day as she served. And she and some of the other sisters bandaged up leopards on the streets and They read Bible verses to people who were uh, out on the streets. And at the end of the time that he watched her, he said this. He says, I came here godless, and I leave full of God. I came here full of hate, and I leave full of Jesus. Because of the love I've seen in you, I now believe and she didn't even say a word to that person directly. But it's the principle that Peter's talking about here. He's saying, let those good deeds shine so that your Father in heaven may be glorified. So shine as examples. And the second thing that he talks about in this passage here is this. He says, give respect to authority. Give respect to authority. Now, I know this may be kind of tough to do in 2016. Right. I mean, yesterday on the front page of the paper, even our mayor now and the felony charges and what has taken place there. Yet we have a new mayor. We need to pray for him. We have a new president. We need to pray for him. I I mean, I know this is a tough day and age because we see the press just slamming our leadership in so many ways, even when they're trying to do their very best. I believe. Now, this was tough for the first-century Christians as well. Why? because they were now treated as outcasts in the society. And remember who was ruling. I I said it was Nero. Nero was an insane emperor. He was crazy. But Peter says, watch this in verse 13 to 14. He says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors. And go down to verse 17. He says, show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers, fear God, honor the what? Honor the emperor. See, see, what we don't realize, or what we can kind of read through the lines on this, is that there were other people in authority who weren't insane. Even though Nero was crazy at this time, others weren't. And so Peter was knowing that God laid it upon his heart to say, yeah, our society has to continue on. We need to abide by them. And when those laws were not in conflict with God's law, those laws then need to be obeyed. So let's, let's kind of put this into context here in 2017. Uh, there's a date coming. April 15th is usually the date, but it's coming on April 17th this year. What is, that, what is that day? What's it called? Does that mean that we need to pay our taxes in this day and age? First Baptist say yes. Okay, yes. Yes, we need to abide by those. That's the law of the land. We do need to pay our taxes. Does that mean that we need to obey traffic laws? In, in, in First Baptist, say yes. Yes, we do. Even though I found out a lot last week that many of you are sinners in that area, right? <laughs> that your right foot has not quite received salvation, right? All the rest of your body has except for your right foot. I heard that from somebody. They told me, they said the last thing, last part of my body to be saved was my right foot. But you need to. It also means that when we disagree with those in authority, we can do it respectfully. Yes. Right? And again, that may be a little hard to do, but when, because when someone's character is ungodly, let me, let, me, let me share with you, though. When someone's character is ungodly, if you can't respect the person, you can still respect the position. Amen? Amen that's what needs to take place and we need to remember that we need to pray for those in the leadership we need to still give respect to those who are in authority because they're placed there and we see this throughout scripture we have all of scripture to go through and see these promises or these principles that God has placed these people in authority and so we need to follow right in line with them not always agreeing with them Not always saying, well, that's exactly what we should do. No, but to understand uh, what's the heart behind it, and if it's not in direct contrast to what God's law says, then yes, we need to follow those uh, laws that are in place. And so, shine as examples, give respect to those in authority. Let me give you the third step that Peter says to take when life treats you unfairly. He says, soften your reply. Soften your replies. Now, what do we mean by that? Go to verse 19. It says, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are a conscience of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jump down to verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. But understand this, 2,000 years ago, there was a kangaroo court who sentenced to death the only perfect man who ever lived. How unjust is that? But Christ stood and did not retaliate. When he was whipped, when he was beaten, when he was scourged, he did not fight back. They spit on him, they ripped out his beard, they forced crown of thorns deep into his skull, they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross. But do you remember what Jesus did? He looked down at those people who were not sorry for what they were doing, and not only did he not retaliate, but he pronounced a counter sentence onto them. Remember what he said? He said, Father, what? Forgive them. but, 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 but they're not wanting to be forgiven doesn't matter father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and Peter holds that up as the example for us to follow now is that not just the opposite example of what we're given in this? You know, this get even fight back kind of culture that we live in today Man, can we use this? Absolutely we can use it. When you get hot under the collar and something is unjust to you and you're just ready to explode, maybe it's something small. Maybe like you go out to lunch even afterwards and your waiter serves you something late or cold or it's not the right order and you're just waiting to get ticked off or maybe you're driving out of the parking lot, even driving out of this parking lot. Someone cuts you off and you want to do something about it. Christians, they're not a Christian, they're cutting me off, so I'm going to cut them off because I am a Christian. You know, I mean, it's like, really? Right? I mean, think about that, right? Right? Or maybe you're in the long line. Long, you always get in the longest line at the supermarket or Target or something like that, and then they, oh, can I help the next customer? And someone just zips right in, and you are so ready to let other people know all about it, right? We're just, and the reason I know that about you is because I know that about me. I'm ready to let other people know it as well. You get upset. You know, I thought this last week, preparing this message, and I thought, you know, when was the last time I was done an an injustice, and I just kept silent? Think about that. When was the last time you had an injustice done to you, and you chose to just back off? Because you know if you didn't, it would only make things worse. And so you just said, you know what? I don't need to go there. God knows. God's the judge. He'll take care of this. In fact, when was the last time you took an injustice and took it one step further and decided to bless that person, even though they treated you unfairly and unjustly? Wow. Those are the words Jesus spoke from the cross when he said, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. He didn't just take it silently. He went one more step, and he offered forgiveness. And Peter offers us a clue into how this comes about. Look at verse 23, the very last line of this. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges. justly. the he there is Jesus. He entrusted himself to God the Father to say, God, you got this. You got this. And sometimes, folks, we just need to step back and say, God, you got this. I don't need to, but it feels so good. Nope. 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 God, you got this. You're the ultimate judge. You're going to sort it all out. I'm going to leave the unfair balance to you, God. It's yours. Now think about this. Some of you who are Christians, you know, you know, yeah, I should do this. I should do this. Yeah, it's good reminders. Bad. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you may not be. Some of you may be saying, "Does this stuff really work? Really?" Let me give you a, Let me give you a modern day example. Uh, this picture up here, um, many of you will recognize what that picture is. If you're a little older, it comes probably to mind very quickly. If you're a little younger, you may have seen it in your history books. Uh, You may have seen it online. Um, This is a picture of a girl who was nine years old at the time. The girl right in the middle is named um, Kim Fuke. she was screaming and running uh, from her village of Trangbang after it was, uh, there was an airstrike that was dropped, a napalm bomb upon the land, causing burning on her flesh, burning her clothes off, uh, not stopping her pain for hours upon hours upon hours. In fact, 75% of her body was uh, scorched with first degree burns. The man who took the picture um, uh, took the picture and then immediately put his camera down and went over to her, grabbed her, rushed her off to a hospital to save her life. And after this photo published it, it became a Pulitzer Prize-winning photo. It helped politicians. Many politicians said, in fact, that this was why Vietnam War ended, because they realized how futile it was. Um, And this was the iconic photo that ended World War, or, or excuse me, the Vietnam War. But to Kim's chagrin, things did not end there. In fact, the Vietnamese government forced her to do all kinds of things be uh, against her will. They forced her to parade the scars that she received all over her body, um, around to the country, kind of as a a propaganda track against America. Uh, Her body still had scar tissues that caused her pain every minute of every day. And you ask, man, how unfair is that? for a little girl who was just living in her village. In fact, I remember seeing a uh, Stockton Record article a few years ago where they interviewed her. And it was done by the AP, and and let me read to you what was written up. Okay, here's what she says. She says, deep in my heart, I am grateful that this actually happened because it caused me to turn to God. You see, I I realized I was so unhappy, I tried so hard in my own religion that I felt no peace. My body was so weak, I just cried and cried. And finally, understand this, later in her life, she went to the library. And this is in North Vietnam, so a communist country. She went to the library in North Vietnam, and she says, to read every book I could find on other religions. So she finds an encyclopedia on world religions, and from reading an encyclopedia in a communist library, she becomes a Christian. She says, I accepted Jesus into my heart, and he removed my burden. And the reporter writes that then she touched her heart, and she said, I am now free. Now this is what Kim Fuke looks like today. She is a, a pretty healthy gal. In fact, in 1992, a number of years ago, things got much better for her. Uh, she and her husband on their way to Cuba defected to Canada. Uh, And they have two teenage sons, a little bit older teenage sons now. Um, And she recently even met the photographer who took that picture of her when she was a little girl running out of her village. And she said this. She says, people ask me all the time, how can you be so happy? How can you smile? She said, I never have to be angry. God made me this way. Even if I could talk face-to-face with the pilot that dropped the bombs, I would tell him I forgive him. I forgive him. Now, is that not incredible? And is that not a much better reaction than what we often take? Is that not following the action, the example that Peter gives to us, who points to Christ to say, this is what we should do? There's not much we can do about the history of our lives, but boy, we can sure make decisions that make the present and the future so much different. And Peter holds up that attitude and says, this is what we should live. This is how we should take our next steps. You may say, Pastor Brad, you, though, have no idea what I have gone through. You're right, I don't. And some of you have been wrong beyond belief, but I do know this. God knows exactly what you have gone through. He is very aware of it. And he is there to offer comfort and to walk you through unfairness in life. And maybe, perhaps, even your unfairness is not quite as unfair as you may think it is, when you look at the bigger picture and you look at it from God's perspective. But even if it is, and you're feeling that now, to say, God, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to walk through this. When you do that, you become a vessel that carries that love, God's love, through you even to an unfair world. Because we may not know ever, ever why those unfair things happen to us, but we do know what we can do when they happen to us. And again, that's the reason we sang that song, Jesus, right at the end. When you, Whatever you are going through, if you can just look that back to Jesus and see what he did in those situations. I mean, think about what he did with his disciples the night before he was crucified. He gathered them in an upper room. And he said, hey guys, I, I know you're not always going to be uh, real faithful to me. He said this in so many words. But I never want you to forget what I'm going to do for you. I never want you to forget, this is my body. This is my blood. And he had some bread, and he passed it around, and he said, take and eat. And then he had some, some wine, and he passed that around and said, drink. And I'm sure they were scratching their heads. They weren't fully sure of what he was getting at by saying that. But within 24 hours, oh, they knew. They understood that his body was broken on that cross. His blood was shed them and they went back and they put all these things together and they recorded it in scripture and matthew who was right there at that table said it went like this said while they were eating jesus took bread gave thanks and broke it gave it to his disciples saying take and eat for this is my body then he took the cup gave thanks offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And So what Jesus is saying here is until I come again for you, remember what I did for you on that cross remember with the elements i've shared and so you know around here at first baptist we don't have a set time we don't have a set amount of times that we do this throughout the year but we do it 10 11 times throughout the year and we remember we celebrate what jesus did for us until he comes again do this in remembrance of me he said now some of you may say well i've never done this before am i invited to if you are not a member here at first baptist that's fine. You don't have to be a member. What you do need to be is a part of God's family. You do need to have said yes to him. And when you've said, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, then we say, partake of these elements. Take, remember, enjoy. You do this, recognizing with him. You do this to come together with him. That means, though, that if you've not accepted Christ yet, if you've not made a decision to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, then we would just say, allow these elements to pass. Don't take of them quite yet. But we're going to say a prayer here at the end. And if you're ready to make that decision, then it's open for you too. Now others, you may come in here with a hardened heart. You may come in here feeling like you've really got kicked around this week and there's some people who've done it and you got some kicking around to do back to them. That's where I would say allow the spirit to work. Allow the spirit to open your life. Allow that forgiveness to be because you want to come to this time not withholding grudges not withholding forgiveness but to be open and say lord jesus i come clean because of what you've done for me and i bless others in the same way so i hope you've come that way if you're part of his family these are for you if you're not yet let me give you that opportunity right now let's pause for a moment let's pray together okay lord jesus I, i thank you that you have included us in your family for anyone Anyone who says yes to you, anyone who believes that you are God's son, raised from the dead, believe in your heart, confess that with your mouths, that you are Lord and Savior. Lord, you have said, come and take and eat and enjoy. Do this in remembrance of me and what I did for you. And so, Lord, we do that today. We celebrate what this time of communion, Lord's Supper, the Last Supper means to us. But Father, I know that there are some others here today who you also are inviting into your family. Maybe they just haven't said yes yet. And folks, if that's you, if you're feeling that right now, that boy, I, I haven't taken that step and I know I need to, then today would be your day to say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. In your own heart, just say those words, Lord Jesus, I invite you in. I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior. Today I repent And I'm going to walk your ways. I'm going to walk with you. You know, we'd be most honored if after the service you come and share that decision with us or the person who brought you here today. Because we want to help you take your next step and what that means. That means that now you're part of the family. Now you have God's spirit living inside of you. And the things that we talked about here today, you can begin to do them as well. God, I, I praise you for... Your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that strives to make us Christ-like. Lord, may we shine as examples to the world around us. May our replies be softened, even when we're wronged, as you were wronged and chose to bear it. And Lord, may those actions go to show that you are an amazing God. You will judge when that time comes, and Lord, we'll leave that to you. Lord, we come here, the time of remembering what you did for us. We remember your, blo- your body that was broken for us, your blood that was shed on that cross. And we do this, we enter in together to remember what that night meant. God, we join with those disciples. We join with disciples all across this world coming together for celebra- celebrating what the new covenant means to us. We love you. We worship you. We remember you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.